with Super Draft plus a schedule for 2023. Six new members of the Nashville SC organization. 34 games on the agenda with League Cup to come. Happy holidays, everybody. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who cover the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I'm Wes Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Tim, who is drinking a little extra coffee today after pulling double duty yesterday. So you had, of course, the Super Draft last night. The schedule release, you, you published a great piece on Tuesday. But then, National Signing Day yesterday as well. This is a college football podcast, too. Or <laughs> Absolutely. Busy day for you and the Hokies. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm exhausted. Uh, uh, people who are listening to this podcast at, at certain times will see that I haven't even published my stories about the Super Draft results yet, but... Um, hopefully that's coming by the time that uh, that we get this published. So, uh, yeah, a big day for for both uh, soccer and for and for the day job as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm hopefully going to sleep at some point. We'll see. <laughs> we'll get this knocked out so that you can uh, you can rest a little. The theme, I guess, for your week is the future prospects and uh, and a lot of this hope. is this is a theme for my life man it's uh future prospects that's the business baby yeah <laughs> let, you know, let's hope that just sticks with professional you're happily married future prospects <laughs> referring only to those you cover um before we get into the the uh the schedule before we get into the super draft results we're gonna by the way bring you a fun fact about each draft pick today as well as get into a little bit of the philosophy behind some of these picks and we'll break down the schedule and, and talk about some of those high level notes that, that Tim unfolded so nicely in his piece before that though, of course, club and country is sponsored by ML Rose. I'm headed back there this week. It's it's time I'm recovered <laughs> from my surgery. I, for a while with like sinus stuff, I won't go into detail, but it's hard to like open your mouth real big to eat a big burger. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, and I think what, what's going to happen is there's going to be some great um, either soccer watching or college football bowl watching uh, while I think it's by Boxing Day, actually, if they're open. I need to double check. No promises here. If it was <laughs> open on Boxing Day, that's going to be the day to watch a little bit of both, a little bit of college football and a little bit of uh, of soccer as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've we've talked consistently about how they want to be a, a soccer bar. They are very genuine in that in that purpose they that is a goal that it's not just because they sponsor this podcast and in fact i would say it's the reason they sponsor this podcast not the other yep. way around the, the causal is. relationship is in that direction but uh you know your traditional american sports for people who are into other stuff as well are always on at ml rose as well you are going to be able to see any sporting event and if it's not on one of the tvs when you walk in guess what very kind people they will put it on for you as long as it's not uh as long as it's not like the 15th priority of 15 things that they need to put on their many TVs because you you walked in later than anyone else. Um, they're very kind about that. And they're they're very willing to if somebody wants to watch a sporting event, they will get it on for you. Well, and that really hit home with me a couple of times this summer when I went in to pick up a burger or sit down. One time they had the Euro women's tournament on this past summer um, that that was on. I believe at one point they had some, some World Cup qualifiers on. Don't need to even talk about the World Cup. Of course, of course, they had that. It is a, a great place to go. And there's the dedicated TV in each restaurant, usually more than one. But there's a sign beneath the one on 8th Avenue that says, if Nashville SC, the Preds, the Titans or the Vols are playing, don't ask us to change this channel because that's what's going to be on. And uh, mm-hmm. that, that they are very committed to that local soccer scene and that local sports scene. Okay. First, the draft, then the schedule. Let's get into it. Nashville SC with six additions to its organization, at least via the draft. We'll see who ends up getting signed. We'll see if they go to Huntsville. Most likely, I would say most of these guys will. Let's start with that question, Tim. Before we get into each player, 
when you have now the MLS Next Pro team, what an advantage then to be able to develop these players right under your noses. Is that the near future that you foresee for most of these players that were added to the club last night? Yeah, and we talked about this in our previous episode, or maybe it was last week. Nashville SC isn't drafting guys just to fill out a roster for Huntsville. They are drafting guys because they think, you know, over the course of, of two or three years, they can be developed at Huntsville for Nashville Soccer Club. But <laughs> like you mentioned, the short term, <laughs> the short term is definitely that most of these guys, um, possibly even all of them, depending on what the needs are, um, will be signing with the MLS Next Pro Club. And that, that's helpful in, in a couple situations. Um, there is a, a guy who re- will require an international slot, I believe, who uh, that's a little bit easier to get done if, you, if he's not signing to your first team roster for you know, you know, the reasons that we see on a regular basis with Nashville SC selling all of its major league soccer international roster slots. Uh, you don't want to use one on a draft pick. That is why Sandre Norheim never signed um, when he was drafted last year. So that's a situation that you can have a little bit more roster flexibility. And then um, you can loan these guys up for, I believe, uh, four games total each or um, non-league games for U.S. Open Cup for probably Leagues Cup. Oh, Leagues Cup. The restrictions sure. are are much relaxed. Uh, Major League Soccer wants to win <laughs> those events, and they're they're willing <laughs> yeah. to give their teams the tools necessary to do that. That might be when you see some of these guys. It's going to be really exciting to see how many of them sign with with the club, and and that's clubs, I guess, plural now at this point with the organization. I think <laughs> we're going to have to get used to saying. And if you know, if all six of them do, it's a situation where. Four or five of them are going to spend most of the year with Huntsville. Um, you might see some USL loans too if if guys mm-hmm. are not quite ready for Major League Soccer, but they're um, developed enough where they're a, maybe a little bit better than MLS Next Pro. That's a possibility as well. Yeah, I was asked that question on Twitter. You know, assuming all six of these guys are going to go to Huntsville, maybe it could end up being what happens, but but it's not the not the um, the blanket assumption that we necessarily can make right now. Uh, one more question before we get get into this, or not even a question for you, but just just something that I want to make sure fans understand. The, the branding of Huntsville, of course, is different. They've established a separate business in a lot of ways down in in Huntsville. Uh, in, you know, instead of being a Murfreesboro SC or a Franklin SC, they want this to be its own revenue generator and, and a way to generate fans in Huntsville and connect them to Nashville, which I think is really smart. But the player personnel is going to be very tightly linked. Mike Jacobs Mm -hmm. is overseeing the decisions for both of these clubs. There's going to be tight, I hate to use the business buzzword, synergy between (laughs) the two organizations. Uh, Liam Doyle, by the way, uh, hired as director of of soccer operations down there. Uh, Great to see that, former USL player. But, But, you know, Huntsville, different branding, but very tight control from Mike Jacobs and this this front office over what happens in Huntsville and how it's connected to Nashville. Yeah, the technical the technical side of Huntsville is going to be largely in service of of the technical side in Nashville. Uh, whether that means that you know you see guys get loaned up for those those games that they're allowed to, or or whatever it means. Primarily, it's going to be Huntsville developing guys. You know, maybe these six guys, maybe you know, who knows? But they're developing guys for a future in Nashville. That technical side is in service of Nashville SC. The business side is in service of a fan base in Huntsville. Uh, the technical side is is kind of a different question, and it won't be exclusively to, to service Nashville SC. There's going to be a point where you want to add other guys to to fill out a soccer team and go, you know, win some MLS Next Pro games. But it is a situation where the, the the primary function is for the organization overall to find success. 
Okay, let's get into the picks then. First round, 11th overall, left back Joey Skinner of Clemson University as Nashville goes with the fullback spot, a position where I think they really do have an opportunity to develop an heir apparent. And whereas second round picks, third round picks are maybe speculative uh, at best or late value that's, that other teams overlook, that first round pick, you are looking for somebody, especially in the first half, that you can project into your organization at some point, maybe not in year one or even year two, and so you look at, at Skinner then potentially as an heir apparent to another former college player from the Carolinas. That would be uh, Elon University's Dan Lovitz. Yeah, and Mike Jacobs is very familiar with the, the soccer scene in the Carolinas and the college soccer scene in the Carolinas especially. The ACC is something that he's very familiar with. He was the head coach at Duke University before getting into professional soccer. This is a guy who knows his stuff in that region. I think you've, you've almost buried the lead here with Skinner, Wes, and that's that he's a Generation Adidas player, yes. which means... He is going to sign with the first team because he can do that without counting against the team's budget. Adidas pays the salaries. Those guys are off-budget players. He was a sophomore this year at Clemson. He played his freshman year at uh, UNC Greensboro, where he played with his brother, Matt Skinner. Um, th this is a guy that, that even if he doesn't play a ton of minutes, he's not dragging down your budget in any way. So you can sign him to the, to the first team. In fact, he has already signed with Major League Soccer. He is effectively already signed to Nashville SC at this point. Um, and that's, that's, you know, when you look at Mike Jacobs's uh, desire to use all the various roster mechanisms to his advantage to make sure he's getting the most for his dollar, uh, you know, signing a, a top 12 pick, a, a number 11 pick for $0 is pretty effective <laughs> use of your dollar. Yes. Yep. So I think that's the biggest thing. And that's um, kind of proof in the pudding that, that he is going to play with Nashville SC this year, whether he makes it into a ton of games might be another question. And then for two years, he's, he's completely off budget. And, and we saw Jack Mayer under that same arrangement mm -hmm. for, for Nashville SC. And uh, of course he's on budget now for the club, but those first couple of years, he was, uh, he was off only 14 generation Adidas players in this class. So when you can get into that top, top 14 or so, then, then you're giving yourself that, that opportunity as Nashville did. Yeah. And that's the thing that, that we, you know, we didn't mention it. I think we, quickly brought it up in our early week sh show is uh, Nashville traded to get a, a top 11 spot. They swapped spots with, with Charlotte FC, um, you know, for a trade that that was kind of the just thrown in at the end. Nashville's not getting a generation Adidas guy with the number 20 pick. Like they are with the number 11 pick. So that's very savvy, very savvy work by Mike Jacobs last off season as well. Great move. Uh, the fun fact, uh, by the way, and you've already given a couple about Joey Skinner, namely playing with his brother. Uh, I didn't, I didn't note that. That's great. Um, he actually spent a little bit of time with the Charlotte Independence Academy, as many players do coming up there in mm -hmm. that in that uh, pretty football rich North Carolina region. And he appeared on the bench in one USL game in August of 2020 for the Independence, starting in that match for Charlotte was a loanee at the time from Nashville named Luke Hawkinson, who's now, of course, <laughs> uh, with the boys and goal, one of two players to go on loan to Charlotte in that 2020 season. The other being, of course, Jack Mayer, who did not appear uh, he was, I think, back with Nashville. Yeah, he he was pulled back pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, he was. That was not a not a long loan for him. Okay, second round pick, thirty fifth overall. We'll go through these a little quicker because, again, these picks maybe more depth pieces, maybe not. Maybe they contribute, um, but but we'll go quickly here. Sean Suber, defender, at UNC Charlotte. My fun fact about him: um, one about his college career. He was a team captain who helped Charlotte to its best start in program history this past year. They won their first seven matches. Uh, number two, he went to high school in Charlotte, five miles from Joey Skinner and, and a couple of years apart in age. So Mallard Creek and uh, it was uh, Cox Mill was was uh, 
It was Joey Skinner's school. So these guys, I couldn't immediately find a time they played against each other or on the same club. You'd have to believe two pretty elite players from the same area. These guys probably already know each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked we talked about brothers as I pull up Sean Super's Charlotte profile here. He also played with his own brother at, at Charlotte for two years. TJ Suber says something of interest. But yeah, th- this is another guy who has trained with the Charlotte Independence. I would guess that they played at the same time. I don't honestly know. So so we'll have to we'll have to go back and, and look uh, when we get a chance to do a little bit more research. But uh, another guy, again, like you mentioned, that talent rich Charlotte area is so important. In, in kind of the picture of American soccer. And, and mm-hmm. you can understand why it makes sense. When you look at Nashville SC's drafting habits over time, some some trends become clear. And one of them is guys who play at, at colleges in, in the Charlotte area and in, in North Carolina and um, came up in high school in the Charlotte area tend to be pretty high draft picks. And that's something to keep an eye on in the future as well. Especially high when you look at uh, at Mike Jacobs' radar, and, and as you mentioned, the connections he has in, in the Tar Heel State Tobacco Road. Um, also in the second round, 49th overall, Alex Minard. And uh, sorry again for pronunciation, if that's not perfect, we'll get there by the time the season starts. Um, he is Estonian, comes from Tulsa, where he played his college ball, but eight appearances for the Estonia U19s, including some appearances in Euro qualifiers. When it was unable to find any goals that he scored in those matches, but pretty good international experience at the youth level. And it parlayed into some very productive college minutes, 22 goals for Tulsa in his two seasons before he leaves school early to come to Nashville SC. Yeah. And he's a guy who, who was in college for four years, which is why he's not a generation Adidas prospect, but he redshirted his, his freshman year. So, um, you know, a guy that actually probably has pretty high level youth experience. Estonia is not uh, exactly a hotbed, but, but the way, um, you know, rising athletes play, um, you know, high college, which is their high school uh, athletics is, is it, that's basically what they do. That's their essentially their job. So he's got mm-hmm. plenty of experience before even coming to Tulsa. Um, and that's, and that's a guy who, when you look at players who are worthwhile lottery tickets, I guess we can say dudes who score a ton of goals in college might not translate to the pros, but they're definitely good lottery tickets to pick up. And could transfer uh, translate to, to perhaps some good scoring at the next pro level, at the very least, give them some experience there, some confidence. And then, Hey, you need a Ford to come off the bench for you in League's Cup play. <laughs> you know, or you need a guy you can project <laughs> in the future. I think, you know, you, you see that potential there for, you know, a goal scorer can be a goal scorer. Um, mm-hmm. Final three picks will go quickly. These are all third round. Mikkel Rashid, defender from Xavier, helped lead the Musketeers defense to its fourth best season in school history there in, in the Big East, which is a fairly strong soccer yeah. league. So again, there you've got uh, a guy who I believe projects as a center back. I'm using his 6'4 height to assume that versus a 6'4 fullback. Um, but uh, but there again, a player who has gotten experience in a good in a good college league. Yeah. And, and like many other guys comes from a hotbed soccer area in the DC region. So he, he knows, you know, high level soccer players. You look at guys who have been produced in that area over the years. Um, the first one that jumps to my mind is Jeremy Abobasi, but the university of Maryland and, and a bunch of the high schools around there have always produced a bunch of players. Obviously he played his college soccer in the Midwest, um, but it started at university of Indianapolis before going to Xavier for his final season. So he's a guy who, again, you look at what, what, translates to success at, at the next level and he has he meets all of the physical requirements for sure and and you know you ha- now have that huntsville crucible where you can develop guys huntsville crucible would have been a great name for the team by the way <laughs> maybe like salem uh, massachusetts team yeah if you put it up there you have to right <laughs> um 
Salem FC, Salem Football Crucible. Um, a third round also, Rory O'Driscoll, midfielder from New Hampshire, um, getting outside of soccer for a minute. The fun fact about him, yes, he was an all-conference player. That's great. His favorite actor <laughs> is Matt Damon, and his favorite movie is Goodwill Hunting. So I would imagine as he scores a banger from 25 yards out, he's going to look at his defender and he's going to say, how about them apples? <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know what there is to add to that, Wes, honestly. Um, but uh, if you, it's okay. if you, look, it's, you know what? It's yeah. not your fault. It's not <laughs> your fault. Um, the one thing to to keep in mind here is that uh, is that New Hampshire is also where Josh Bauer, who played for Nashville FC or was signed by Nashville FC, played. So there's some familiarity. Again, when you look at the trends in, in some of the programs that Mike Jacobs likes to pick guys from, are we seeing an emerging New Hampshire trend? It's not, it's not a historical college power, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on in future years, too. The Nashua Nashville pipeline. Perhaps. <laughs> See, that was actually good. I'm like the stupid will- Goodwill Hunting. Show. Hey, I, th- I thought that was pretty good. I, I, but I also like that movie as somebody who watched it as an you know emo mid nineties kid. Um, <laughs> final pick, third round, Liam McKinnon, left wing, Villanova. The name might lead you to believe he is Scottish. He's not. He's Swiss actually, and played significant minutes in the Swiss reserve league. Allegedly, uh, projects as a left wing here. And again, you know, third round late pick, you're not saying, you know, here's a position to need, we need to fill. Where's unless maybe it's with Huntsville, <laughs> we're, we're no. saying, you know, here's a player we can take a flyer on mayor. You know, these third round picks may or may not sign with, with the club ultimately, uh, but an opportunity for them to develop in, uh, in Huntsville and, and McKinnon perhaps going to be joining uh, Alex Minard up, uh, up top for Huntsville. Yeah. And that, again, we mentioned it off the top, those international guys, you know, it's a little bit more flexible with the MLS next pro roster. There are many fewer roster restrictions. So it's something, or, you know, if, you know, the roster restrictions that do exist again, Nashville SC will use in service of Nashville SC more than they will use it in service of Huntsville. So it's something that you can stash a, an international guy there, see if he develops Um, you know, these guys who have played four years of, of college soccer probably aren't far from us green cards anyway obviously they were on education visas before but it's a situation where where if they have a job and you can get them a green card within a year and a half you don't need an international slot by the time they're ready for nashville sc so that's something to keep in mind with both he and minard as well and you know every club and the league itself has immigration attorneys who are leading a lot of those conversations Mm -hmm. nashville has been elite at that yes absolutely and that's something it took them a little while when they first started through no fault of their own. You may have heard about this global pandemic that that occurred during the first year of Nashville SC, but they have been basically unparalleled. Atlanta United has has developed a reputation for being extremely good at this. And I would say Nashville has, has almost lapped them. They've done an outstanding job with this. Which means you can sell those slots for GAM as Nashville's done yet again this year and for draft picks, including the origins of some of these picks uh, through which they pick these players. All right, before we get quickly to the schedule coming up, um, Tim, it's it's draft time for us. Draft the next ML Rose food item that you plan to eat. You know, I, I'm going to go with an old standby, which is the Carolina sweets. I know I say sure. it all the time, but it's weird because I'm somebody who likes to eat adventurously. But when I find something that I really like, I'm just like, I don't I don't need to mix it up. I, I found my stuff. So, so that's that's the big one for me. You know, it's it's a it's a pick that you know what you're going to get it's reliable um but has flashes of brilliance as well and can really lead the line i think um for sure on the menu i I think it's a great pick honestly was one that was on my board i'm going to go with a with a a new one that's again one i've talked about before that i want to get still have it the carnitas quesadilla is one i love the burgers i love the nachos here's the deal 
go with a buddy, split the the veggie nachos, which I, I love, and then get the carnitas quesadilla to complement that. You get half a plate of nachos, you get the quesadilla. And I think that tandem is going to really help you. It's, it's kind of a midfield pick, right? It's, it's meaty. Mm-hmm. It's strong uh, and, uh, you know, you need a good complement there. So, you know, the, the carnitas is the number six with a little more meat to it. The veggie nachos, number eight. Have we killed that metaphor that probably was stupid to begin I just, with? Yes, I'm just have. wondering. I'm just wondering when ML Rose is going to start accepting payments in, in general allocation. money. <laughs> Man, um, then we're taking Mike Jacobs because he knows how to muster <laughs> yeah, that stuff. Yeah, he, he, if they take allocation money and we bring Mike Jacobs, we're eating lard. <laughs> Mike, we know you listen to these. Um, you're coming with us. So come on in. We <laughs> we uh, we welcome you to join us for some uh, some game general uh, general animal burger money. GAM. <laughs> All right. Back back to the schedule now. It, the big headline is the one that we've been forecasting for months, weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the return to the Eastern Conference. We we told you this was coming. Nobody's surprised by that. But now that the news is here, how eager are you for the fact that Nashville's longest trip now is going to be a two and a half hour flight in, in conference, one trip to the West Coast as opposed to can't even count how many last year. Mm-hmm. Rivalries renewed. A lot of rich storylines coming with this return. Yeah, it's something that, you know, we discussed, you know, shortly after the season that it was going to be good because it meant that Nashville was going to play in every stadium uh, in Major League Soccer by the time this year was over. Um, Unfortunately, they're actually uh, only hosting St. Louis City. So I I was wrong with that prediction. But it's a situation that it's going to be so much easier for fans who want to go to away games. I think that's the biggest thing. Yes. Nashville SC fans um, in 2020, for obvious reasons, were unable to travel to away games mostly unable to go to home games as well. Last year was asking a lot of fans as they had to travel, you know, the first eight weeks, if they wanted to see those West coast teams for the first time. And now finally you can take a a day trip to Cincinnati again. Um, You can take a day trip to Atlanta. You can take, uh, if you're insane, like me in front of the pod, Clay Trinum, you can take a day trip to Charlotte. So it's something, (laughs) it's something that, uh, that is going to be a lot easier for fans. And it's going to help develop some of those rivalries that, that maybe, have a little bit more sense to them geographically. Yeah. As well as some that had really started to develop organically season opener, Nashville and New mm-hmm. York city FC. Uh, we get to see the, the Dax maxi uh, duel again, <laughs> perhaps if Maxi's still around and if Dax starts uh, the, the road trips out West, by the way, San Jose, we mentioned a minute ago is the one West coast trip. Mm-hmm. SKC is drivable. There's a direct flight to Dallas, which is the other one. And those are pretty merciful road trips as opposed to yeah. having to go to Cascadia or, um, you know, somewhere, somewhere of that nature, even Minnesota. So easy, easy road trips for sure. Also, I think the league did Nashville a bit of a favor with how the club starts and ends the season. Mm-hmm. Um, they open with seven home games in their first 11. It's a little misleading because actually the first eight are split evenly home in a way, but then there's a three game homestand the end of April and into May where the club can really generate momentum to close out that first third of the season, but then they don't pay for it on the back end. They also close with three of four at home. And, and you, I think, start to see, Tim, the advantage of having your own stadium. You're not relying on the Titans and, and messing that up. Other clubs still are relying, in some cases, on splitting their home grounds. Atlanta, New York City has eight home stadiums it's played in, I think, over the past yeah. couple of years. This really is an advantage for Nashville. But then on the flip side, it's not like they have to pay for it by going for long road stretches either. No road stretches of longer than two games. Yeah, that was the one thing that that when you look at competitive you know, advantages, I guess 
no long road swings after, especially after that start to last year, like I mentioned. Yeah. And and more importantly, we talked about the the West Coast teams. I looked at how good those teams were in their respective, um, either home or away last year. LAFC was the toughest team in the league, home or away, all year. But for the most part, Nashville's other games, Seattle was awful away from home. Um, obviously, we're not expecting St. Louis City SC to be very good away from home. And Dallas at their home was was decent. SKC was okay. San Jose was bad. That That's a really easy crossover schedule that's going to make Nashville SC, in comparison to other Eastern Conference teams, um, you know, have very few excuses to, to you know, complain about and say, and say, hey, if we make the playoffs, that's uh, we deserve a, a medal here. Yeah. And I mean, Seattle's going to be better. I think we would all agree on that. Yeah. But Nashville gets them at home. So yeah. you don't have to travel up again to that that difficult destination. I like having LAFC on the schedule. Disappointed Galaxy's not. I, I wanted yeah. the either the best or most prominent teams. I think you can call Galaxy that with Chitorito, of course, to be on the schedule. But by and large, would totally agree. This is a favorable schedule, whereas this time last year we were saying, look, we knew the long road trip was coming, but that's looking mm-hmm. pretty ugly. And Nashville survived that in admirable fashion, but just never really could catch up. This year's going to be much more much more balanced. A uh, couple other notes here for linear national TV games as Nashville SC has been spotlighted as a team that has some appeal, I suppose, at the at the national level, but Geodis Park especially, and I think that's a credit to the atmosphere. Again, the supporters have helped build, and uh, there, there's going to be an opportunity for national exposure, not just through the Apple TV deal where everybody's going to be going to be, but but also again as feature games that are apart from those usual time slots. Yeah, and the big one is is the very first game of of the season, not just for Nashville SC, but for the entire league. Um, Fox, Linear Fox, Big Fox, Homer Simpson Fox, as a friend of the pod, Alexi Lalas, likes to say when discussing the difference between Fox and FS1 against New York City FC at 3.30 on the opening Saturday of the season. That is going to be something that puts Nashville SC in a national um, window, a national lens, and, and probably an international lens. I know New York City FC is one of the more popular MLS teams outside of the country. It's going to be an opportunity and it's going to be an opportunity to show off everything that Nashville SC represents. And, and you, you know, you hope the team shows up and, and makes good on that. Speaking of international stars, by the way, international visibility. After we recorded that podcast, joking about Messi and maybe he's actually getting closer to Miami. Reports are that he's extended his contract with PSG by at least a year. You got that so, oil money, baby. That, oh, no comment. Um, finally, big break in the middle of the season, which we all knew was coming. July 15th to August 20th, though, the official break. Actually, it might be the 12th to the 20th. I apologize for Nashville SC. And, of course, the break in league play, but they move to League's Cup where they will, uh, based on the structure of the tournament, presumably host each of yeah, those matches. Will. So a chance to see a summer of soccer, even if the schedule doesn't put big home stands in the summer for Nashville. And it doesn't. We still get one in the League's Cup <laughs> schedule. Uh, one league opponent, a couple of Liga Emekis opponents. That's going to be um, a really fun opportunity to see Nashville in a different light. And as you mentioned, potentially to see some of these prospects come up and get some time. Yeah, and, and obviously competing against Liga MX is something that is in MLS's best interest, not only because you have a chance to say, hey, we're the stronger league on this continent, but you also have a chance to get your brand in front of a lot of people around the country, a lot around the continent, but even in Nashville that aren't particularly interested in Nashville SC, but they are fans of a Liga MX team and they want to come see their team. And that's how you win people over, um, you know, getting getting people in the door who wouldn't otherwise be interested in an MLS team, but they are interested in Mexican soccer. They are interested in, you know, Central American soccer. 
League MX teams are going to have bigger names than the Nashville SC. Uh, I know Nashville SC has the reigning MVP and a, a former two-time uh, consecutive defender of the year, but is it, it just is hits on a different level and it's something that's going to be a really good opportunity for the club. There you have it. That's our show. Any of the schedule notes I, sh- I should say before we close out today. I think that's about it. The, the big one, the big one for me is uh, there's a game for every team except for uh, Sporting Kansas City the day after the the final of of the League's Cup. Uh, I would imagine that game gets flexed to Wednesday for whichever team makes it. So that's mm-hmm. something that uh, there might be a hangover if Nashville SC makes a deep run in the cup. We'll just put it that way. So go ahead and put that on your schedules, the Nashville SC supporters after <laughs> Nashville wins wins League's Cup. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. A couple other notes that we'll explore here on future shows. Um, Isaiah Johnston, first signee for Huntsville SC. We'll, we'll kind of follow their, their um, progression as we go. And uh, the other note is that we will um, we actually hadn't talked yet about our schedule, but likely going to take uh, take next week and and maybe take a break with our families. Extra episode this week to compensate for that. Uh, but as there is news, of course, you can go to clubcountryusa.com or or follow on Twitter. And, and even when Tim's not getting news up on the site, there's going to be comments on Twitter, uh, commentary, all that stuff. I'll tweet along with everybody as well without a, a, a written home for my work. But I'm excited to uh, to track what's going to be a busy off season that will continue over the holidays. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to everybody. Uh, since we're not going to have a show next week, in all likelihood, I want to thank everybody for listening to us for for yet another year. It's it's been really fun and to to watch the show grow and to have everybody, um, you know, get excited about Nashville soccer and, and get excited about listening to it uh, through our very attractive voices. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not so much that last part, but the rest of the echo. <laughs> Numbers have gone up, but. That's not the most rewarding part, although that's important to us. We want to grow. It's it's the relationships we've been able to form with so many of you in person at ML Rose. Thanks again for their sponsorship. And also through things like Twitter interaction, you know, you listening and commenting and rating, reviewing, and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, as many of you have done. Thank you. Please tell others to do that or do that if you haven't. Thanks to Moon Taxi for the music at the beginning and the end. Thanks to 440 Sports Network. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever you celebrate. Hope it's a great one. And we'll see you most likely again in the new year and probably not until then. We'll see you.